Hey everybody, welcome back to The Hustle, it's John Lamoureux. Okay, this week we get to hear from one of Europe's new wave pioneers. It's Alphaville's frontman, Marion Gold. I think, you know, I was thinking, who would have ever guessed that back in 1984, almost 40 years ago, when they recorded Forever Young, that it would go on to live this long. It wasn't a big hit. It was a big hit on like college radio and alternative stations and stuff, but I don't think it ever cracked the top 40 or anything like that. But it just continues to live on and on and on. It's provided a good living, honestly. And the sound of Alphaville has evolved and changed over the years a lot. They probably, in the States anyway, get thought of as a synth popper new wave band primarily and they are but they really got more diverse than that well what's going on now is recently marion who's really the only original member of alphaville left put out a symphonic album called eternally yours now we've had other people on here who have talked about those kinds of albums and they're great there's nothing wrong with those albums at all but this isn't really like the others in the past it would be you know a pop band working with an orchestra to sort of just redo their songs with an orchestra. And that's great too. These are like completely new arrangements. It's all very different. And it's fa fascinating to hear all those classic songs in a new context like this. So anyway, Marion comes on here. We talk about that. We talk about where Forever Young has taken them and some of the other hits. We talk about David Bowie. We've just talked about like his whole career. I only had him for about 45 minutes which isn't ideal, but it's pretty good. So anyway, I've gotten tons of requests for Alphaville over the years. I don't know why it took us this long to make it happen, but I'm glad it did because now we can talk about Eternally Yours. He called me from his home in Germany. Okay, so first and foremost, I gotta, I gotta kick it off. <laughs> I gotta kick this off with a story that happened just a couple of weeks ago. So I, my wife and I come into the living room and my son, who's 13, is there in the living room watching Napoleon Dynamite on demand. And of course, everybody loves Napoleon Dynamite. And it's the dance prom scene with Forever Young playing. And uh, I said, oh, hey, guess what? I'm interviewing these guys in a couple of weeks. Really, wow. I mean, they are used to hearing me say this a lot. So then we're like, well, look, me and mom want to watch something. Can you turn this off? So he presses stop on the DVR and whatever the channel is that regular TV is on starts playing a commercial with forever young in it. <laughs> <laughs> we we all kind of stop and look at it. What? There's, there's no, there's no escape. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, I mean, yeah, you just made the, my point basically, which is that this song is still just as evergreen as it ever was. I, 
I normally wait till the end to ask these kinds of questions, but I'm just going to do it now. I am curious if Forever Young is a song that you that pays all your bills. It's 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 one of 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 a couple of songs. Okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, I uh, yeah. But I mean, uh, actually, we we had never intended or expected it to be such a song. You know, yeah. it. I think if you had known at the at the very moment when we wrote the song, uh, what what kind of thing it would become. Uh, we were probably collapsed, you know, in, in respect <laughs> and panic, you know, and we had probably just fucked it all up, you know, uh -huh. <laughs> instead of, instead of re recording or composing it, you know, in a, in a yeah. way to the, to the very end. Yeah. So, uh, it is, yeah, this song is a phenomenon, and it uh, really it's a, is. Yeah, it's it's a it's also a financial factor naturally, but yeah, it's, uh, there is not that actually. Believe it or not, it is not what interests me very much, actually. Well, of I mean, course, I do. I absolutely believe you. What my take on this, because I talk to a lot of people in your similar situation who are these like great legacy artists who had a couple of hits back in the 80s, but these songs yeah. just live on. And my take on the financial side of it is that having that finance, the peace of mind of the financial freedom allows you to be to take some risks, creative risks in what you're doing and i see that for sure in you especially i mean look at eternally yours i mean you're able to do an album as kind of unique because you're not worried about having to have your bills paid or having another hit or whatever you can do what you want well i actually the album became a hit here in germany it's it well, entered of course it did. Number, yes. number two yeah. in the charts and uh it's not that we had only hits in in the 80s you know we sure. I mean, it, of course you just, did quite a quite a long story off of you know from yeah. 1984 up to uh this date and uh, uh the thing is that we uh, record i mean we're very slow uh -huh. in recording and producing music and um there's always a, a, a time span from about yeah. minimum three up to five years you know up to the next <laughs> album right and um because we I mean, when we started, you know, I mean, we we never started as like like businessmen or you know or sure. expected to, to earn any money or to get any money. It was just a pure fan love, you know, for yeah. for other artists' music. And in the eighties, in the early eighties, when we started, um, suddenly it became possible that yeah. even people, non-musician people like us, could produce music with this new technology, you know, like yeah. drum machines sequences and synthesizers and and that was that was the start of it all you know it was like yeah. for us we were listening to music we were listening to our records you know and suddenly we were this technology made made it possible that we could yeah. co compose uh, music on our own and yeah. it, it it even didn't sound like shit. I mean, it sounded <laughs> good. I really loved it. And and we played it to other people. And then, you know, everything, yeah, everything happened very, very fast. You know, we, yeah. we recorded the first, or when we re released the first single that was big in Japan, that was yeah. number number one within six weeks all over Europe. And, yeah, it was like a dream start, you know, for, for sure. us, which sure. nobody of us had ever expected. Of course not. And actually... Actually, since then, you know, I'm in a kind of wonderful dream because uh, yeah. uh, I can really, I mean, it, it's a fulfillment, you know, making music, composing, and working with other artists and talking to you. I mean, everything is fine for yeah. me, you know, yeah. it's really great. 
it's what a blessed life. So l- let me ask you that. Well, okay. When I graduated from high school in 1991, our class song was forever young. And I don't, we're going to move on to other things, believe me. But I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah. And as you know, you guys, you guys could still sell out large venues probably in, like, in Salt Lake City, Utah. In fact, I was noticing on, there's the Little America DVD. There's, a, there's some single on Spotify right now from last year that's a live dance with me from like 1999 in Salt Lake City. you have any what's your tie to salt lake do you remember are you aware today that that's kind of a hotter spot for you that was just an amazing experience uh really? that was the first time for us i mean we we've been we've been uh, doing promo in the in the united states a, a couple of times before but that was the first time 99 in salt lake City, that we came there performing oh and uh it was uh yeah, it, it was like a, a kind of invitation of a dear friend of ours who lives in Salt Lake City, Brady Harper, who made all this possible. And wow. it was it was just absolutely an overwhelm. It was an overwhelming uh, experience for us. You know, because yeah. I have a very very good memory about that. And that was yeah. also the start for us. You know, to you know, working and 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 playing music in the states. You know, yeah. Because then later on we we returned a couple of times and did uh, some small and also one bigger tour. And um, yeah, it's. It, I mean, yeah. uh, I have a very, very good memory about it, and it yeah. was just an amazing reaction. And we we did three shows. One one small show uh, that went a little bit wrong because. Oh uh, really? There a, yeah, there was a, a problem, a, an electricity breakdown. Oh no! Oh, uh, no. <laughs> and wow. then we had these uh, two big shows in this in this uh, big concert hall there. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, it's. I have. He loves memory. you. It's good. It was yeah, a start. But actually, in a way, it was the start of uh, our our life in 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 the states. You know, I believe it. Artistically, life in the states. You know, going back to Napoleon Dynamite, um, the guy who made that movie, he's from Idaho, but he's Mormon and went to BYU. And so, there's a lot of songs like Forever Young, songs like The Promise by When in Rome. These are songs that both appeared in the movie. It's for good reason because we our culture grew up just for whatever reason, really um, attaching ourselves to those songs. I wanted to ask you about the second album. 
because in fact, one of my listeners had this question, Brent, that I thought was so fascinating. Who thought of making Afternoon of Suburbia like an eternal loop? Because the album begins with basically the end of the very last song, so that when you finish the CD, it's just starting all over again in a loop. Yeah. That yeah. is genius. Who thought of that? Well, that, that was actually my idea, but I pers I stole it also from Brian Eno. Did I you mean, really? Not, not directly, but it was like um, he was. I read an interview of uh -huh. Brian that he did at that time, nineteen eighty four, or nine eighty five, and he said that the CD is the first medium that uh, allows it to listen to complete silence. I mean, when when you're listening, for instance, for radio. Uh, on on a record, you know, vinyl record, you hear the rumbling and and all these sure. noises, you know, coming from the needle and stuff, you know. But yeah. this uh, CD is completely digital, so when there's sound, there's nothing, there's no sound. And that was the start of this interview that he said, and he said also that you can to, uh, that you can play a, a CD like round and round, like for forever. Mm -hmm. And that that inspired me to say because I had this this little funny um, uh, verse, you know. About Lady Bright, you know sure. that, and the, uh, the, the that everything is relative, and it's 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 a, a little a wordplay about uh, uh, Einstein theory about time uh -huh. and space. And uh, I thought it would be nice, you know, if we had the connection to from the end to the beginning to to uh, um, introduce a kind of eternal moment, you know, on this. Yeah. So if you, if, you, if you keep that on permanent running, the CD, it would just go without an ending, you know, all around right. and around. And uh, yeah, and that was, I mean, Brian Eno was the inspiration for that. Oh, that's genius. I, um, you know, as you know, and you been, you know, Forever Young was not even really a giant hit. It was played on alternative radio or college radio and stuff, but it's just yeah. lived on despite that. So I wonder when Suburbia came out, if you felt like you had, I don't recall if the album Forever Young was so successful in your own mind or maybe in other countries that you felt like you had to achieve a certain level of success with the next album too or if you yeah, yeah, felt absolutely. you did okay because yeah. to me this is this, normal it's just okay I mean, it's, yeah it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to deny that <laughs> well no, no, no. okay so that's what i wanted to know because it's such a it's clear to me when i listen to well in each successive album you're getting more and more kind of hyper creative trying new things not just staying in a little synth pop box like Right. I, I love Erasure, but you know they have kind of a, a sound that they've stuck with all along. You don't do that. And I wondered if that was a conscious decision, like we're just artists, we want to keep pushing. A song like Universal Daddy...
you're not going to hear a song like that on Forever Young, you know? Well, it's, um, I mean, yeah, the first album was, it's the big challenge. And, and uh -huh. it's, it's still our, our most successful album to this day. And uh, whenever, whenever we do a new album, we try, you know, to be more successful than that, you know? And, yeah. and, and it is, um, yeah, it's a big challenge. And probably that is the reason that we still exist because we're still trying to beat that album. Uh -huh. But it also gives you uh, lots of um, inspirational ideas because, I mean, I, the, I think the, the, the worst thing that could, you could do is just trying to repeat an album which was successful and to do it yeah. one more time. So um, I think the best thing is, you know, to try with a complete different ideas. And that is, I mean, that... From that is the origin of of all these very many different albums that we did, and yeah. that that uh, that direction went into many many different different ways. And uh, yeah. I think that is what what Alpha music still uh, makes makes interesting. I mean, if Absolutely. you would like, I mean, I have nothing against Erasure, for instance. I'm, I'm Me also neither. I love Erasure. Erasure. That wasn't. But a they have now. like, yeah. yeah, you know, you know exactly what you have to expect when yes. you listen to the next album. This is great, absolutely great. Yeah. yeah. But this is not. Uh, this is not what what interests me as a as a as a artist in myself. Yeah. You know, I, I really try. I mean, I even go to territory where probably other artists have been. But for me, it is new. It is white territory, and uh -huh. you know. And then I do my own story about it, yeah. or I even go go to places where where nobody else was before. Sure. I don't know. But yeah. anyway, it is. This is. I think. I think. I mean, we we started. We started as complete amateurs when mm -hmm. you know the, the band, and I think we still have this amateur spirit in the band. That means that. Whenever we do a new album, we have we 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 try to go behind our actual capabilities. Mm -hmm. We try to be go behind to be better than we actually yes. are. Yeah, you know, with, with any any mean, you know, and the the, the most important mean for that is ideas and yes. you know, Got it. and creativity. I am curious. I, we talk a lot about kind of the business side very sensitively on here, and I am curious about transitions in musicians' lives when they go from being a major label concern with a big kind of promotional machine behind them to being dropped or having, you know, popularity. It happens to everybody. Uh, even the biggest artists in the world see fluctuations of their popularity. So it's not a knock on you. What was it like? Was it difficult for you when you had to sort of transition to being maybe a, a more of an independent artist or when the la bigger labels weren't, you know, knocking down your door, was that difficult for you? Oh, we've been through many, many different uh, transitions. I mean, at the moment, That's we are true. again with a major label and, uh, and in the nineties, uh, that was a time when, when we've been, uh, you know, more, more or less on our own. And we, we worked with, with it in more an independent, uh, environment. No, I oh, mean, okay. it really, it really, it wasn't a, really a problem for us because okay. I mean, we know where we were com coming from. Yeah. And any, yeah. As okay. A, any, any, any kind of uh, uh, existed as a as a musician, you know that that uh, was what we wanted to be. It was better okay. than what what happened before. Okay. And actually, we weren't we were not really aware about this this whole situation. I mean, uh, for instance, 
we, in the beginning we were with Warner Brothers and uh, but Warner never dropped us it was just we had these extreme lenses mm. between all the, between the production of our albums that makes and, sense uh, okay and then it was like in the beginning of the 20s when uh, when we did the last album with Warner and then uh, we left Warner and uh, yeah and there was a, okay. a time space span like three years and then we started with Universal true uh, okay uh, I guess again, it wasn't that um, pronounced then. Yeah, it wasn't like, really. Yeah, like a roller coaster like, thing. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, I have kind of a nerdy question for you. When I listen back to The Breathtaking Blue, this is something I've always been curious about, and not in every song. For instance, Romeo's is one of my favorite songs of Alphaville's overall. There are moments when I listen to Breathtaking Blue that remind me a little bit of the Blue Nile, that band, the Blue Nile. Oh, oh great band, great band. Okay, good. Okay, I'm glad to hear you say that because I know that when they were doing albums like Hats and what was it, Dancing Across the Rooftops or whatever, mm -hmm. those albums to certain people, especially synth-based artists, were incredibly influential. A lot of people, those albums also were not giant hits but they were influencing everybody else that was playing that kind of music yeah, yeah. and there are moments in breathtaking blue where i think i wonder if these guys listen to the blue nile i wonder if there's some blue nile am i on to anything there do you or maybe not i don't know no i, I was i mean yeah we, were, we still are great fans of the band yes. you know yeah uh, and uh okay um, Although I must say that the last album, I think that was their last album. Oh, I know. They haven't done anything in a quite, long time. Quite a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. They were absolutely fantastic. And uh, they were, I mean, they were very influential on us, on our way, yeah. you know, perspective on, on music and how to compose. Yeah. Um, it was because they, it was, it was just an amazing and very yeah. subtle style. And also the way that their observations, what they, what they talk about in the, yes. in the songs and, and everything is just absolutely, it's really a trip. It's great. Yes, it really is. It's beautiful stuff. Yeah. I wondered about that. When you are seeing bands, your contemporaries, like, Erasure or OMD or these other synth-based bands, 
um, having a lot of success. You guys are having success too. Is there ever any kind of comp competitive spirit going on? As, or is it you guys are all sort of of a tribe? These are my people. We're peers with each other. Uh, there is, I, I, I see other artists or musicians as colleagues. And okay. um, Great. it was always, always like that. I never intended, you know, to, no, there was okay. no. And also, I mean, OMD are, they are so, so important for us. They I really, mean, oh, I love them. Because yeah. uh, they, um, I mean, they were just the, the, they were the full picture. When we started, mm -hmm. you know, and, and thought, you know, we could do some music, then there was the time when electricity came out. And suddenly we heard another band playing music that sounded almost like our, our music. You know, there was a great similar, and they had a record out and they had a record deal and they, they, they had TV and all this. Yeah. We hadn't, we had no record deal. We had all, but we said, okay, they do this music, but it sounds a little bit like our music. So, I mean, we could probably do the same. Uh -huh. And uh, so it was a great encouragement. And yeah, and also great music. I mean, it is. On, they're so great. I had them on here, just uh, Paul on here, just a couple of months ago, yeah. and saw them in concert, and they're the best. Okay, let's talk about Eternally Yours for a minute. When I saw that that's what was coming out, as you probably know, um, bands like Wang Chung, Cutting Crew, um, it's sort of becoming a popular thing for 80s legacy bands like yourselves to. Yeah. And I think those other two even used the same orchestra. I think it was in Prague or maybe Budapest or something like that. And so when I saw that's what your next album was going to be, and I thought, oh, fun, they're kind of getting on that same bandwagon. But your album is so different. It's not It's not just, I don't mean to, to denigrate anything those guys did, because I really like those albums, but it's not just Alphaville songs played by an orchestra. There's new, whole new arrangements going on here. Everything feels very thought out and different and expansive as opposed to let's just run our songs through an orchestra and see what happens. You know what I mean? So how long had this album been thought out or planned? Well, actually, the, 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 the general idea for this album came was there straight from the beginning of the band. Really? Uh, because uh, when from we, the very when beginning? We, straight wow. from the beginning okay. the thing is you know for instance if you look at a song like let's come home for instance lonely boy gazing at the afternoon people drifting across the surface of the twilight day there's a little yellow man standing by the railway station Painting portraits on the brick walls of Billy Holloway. Lovely lady smile, dance my dear, I'm only operating unless you come home. This was authentic you, she spoke, this was authentic you who blew. She had no chance to realize It hit her straight between the eyes So I've been told In the park She's giving out some photographs
uh, on the sec on our second album was but was uh, recorded or composed long before the first album. Oh, that there are ingredients, as you know, yes. these lengthy instrumentals in the beginning and and this True. really uncommon and not pop like structure of the song. Uh, there was always a closeness to symphonic music. It's also, I mean, one of the backgrounds from where, where I personally come from. When I was a little boy, uh -huh. um, that was in the 50s, late 50s, early 60s, there was not much uh, um, pop music or rock music going on in, in, in on the radio. And I was absolutely, as a six-year, seven-year-old boy, I was absolutely uh, uh, fascinated by, by radio. We had a big... Uh, tube radio in our living room with this nice. green magic eye and sometimes at night when my parents were sleeping i would go into the living room and switch on this thing and then that 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 that, that box would come alive you know with, with this light <laughs> inside and then the magic eye would come and then yes. there would be this it's all these strange yes. sounds from all over the planet, and you yes. could wander with with the with the seeking uh, device, you know, so uh -huh. all the wavelengths. And the music that I found mostly at that time on on our radio was classical music, and oh. I was uh, I was very much into that. I mean, later on, I, I found out that I was a seven year old and the greatest fan of uh, Mendelssohn, for instance. <laughs> I didn't know at that time. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, Mendelssohn still is one of my absolute favorite composers. Uh -huh. And um, and so, so yeah, there was a big, a, a, a strong background, you know, for, and when when we uh, uh, composed our own music, this, this time was a strong influence. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we had this idea, but there was always something else happening, you know, that cross. Yeah. Uh, 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 in the beginning, it wouldn't have been a problem, you know, to to uh, to have an orchestra and you know just record. But we we didn't have enough material for that. Yeah. You know, so the the longer the band existed, the more material we had, and then finally. Uh, in 2019, the pandemic happened. Ah. And that was a chance. <laughs> there was a chance for us because we, we had suddenly we had time. We had no yeah. concerts. We had no uh, right. dates with any studios or whatever. Everything. It was a lockdown. Uh -huh. You know, where we could sit down and think. Think. You know what? How we how we could finally realize this and, and finalize this idea. Yeah. And um, and then. We we thought okay, there is one orchestra in Germany that we re really would like to use for this thing. There was a Bausberg Film Orchestra just around the corner here where I live in Berlin. Okay, and we asked them, and they said yes. Wow, wow! <laughs> and we said, all right, golden opportunity. <laughs> now we go, and and then we did it. And the, the thing was, it we it was never our intention to just reproduce the Alphaville repertoire with yes. the with, with orchestra. But the chance, you know, now we had a fantastic orchestra. We could go in each and every direction we wanted. So we rewrote all the arrangements and tried, you know, to to really to bring the symphonic the symphonic uh, possibilities, yes. you know, that the orchestra yes. can offer us, you know, and play with these possibilities and just that made the songs completely different, you know, like songs like "Dance with Me" or or many many other songs as well. Yes. to the speeding time When the king returns from the ivory city side Let the magnet majors wave the signals fly. 
blushing oh so fast when you meet me there under the moonshine in a lover's heaven we keep our promises at last in a lover's heaven It's more than a dream maybe We're reaching the gardens of delight Do you want to dance with me Through one of those lonely nights It's more than a dream maybe We're drowning in empires of delight And Let's you come home finally sounded and it had to sound right from the beginning. In the beginning we had to synthesize. I mean, you can use synthesizers in in two basically two different ways. Yeah. You know, the the one way is, you know, you use them and you create really new soundscapes, new sounds. You you go into this avant-garde direction, you know. Yes. And the other thing is and this is always uh the the, the great sedu seduction of synthesizers because they They can offer you so many colors. Yes. You know, they are an orchestra in themselves. Yes, you know? so, they are. Good point. So that was that was more or less our, our way. You know, so we followed. We followed. We had these synthesizers because that was the only uh, instruments we had available yes. for us. You know, yeah. so naturally the song went into this kind of uh, more melodic, romantic, uh, you know, romantic music, 19th yes. century. Kind of thing, yeah, that's it. Feeling, you know, and uh, yeah, and, and there's always in all these songs, uh, after the songs, you there's in the, in the, the very core has exactly that. So it was not really a big challenge, you know, to turn this song into into symphonic pieces. The challenge was, you know, how can we change? How can how can we make the songs even by this, you know, by using yeah. the to make them more interesting and even more yeah, difference? Difference is. Difference is the only, the, the impo most important thing in life is difference. You know, That's difference true. Yes. Yeah. And also, you we want give... just to make them difference. And we, I think we succeed quite well. I think you did too. Um, in fact, one of my listeners, I, we have Patreon supporters and I th throw it out there who I'm interviewing and they can submit questions that they want. One of my, one of our listeners <laughs> calls, calls themselves, I don't know if they're, I assume it's a guy, but I don't know, calls themselves Sugar Mouse. And Sugar Mouse was wondering. I know <laughs> Marion's laughing too. Um, anyway, Sugar Mouse wanted to know how what the decision making process was for uh, compiling the album. I'm guessing too there had to be songs that maybe you thought you wanted to perform, but then you thought you know now that now that I'm put I'm working on the arrangement and we've had the, maybe this one's not going to work. Were these the 20 songs? This was the best. These sounded the best with the orchestra. What did you, how did you come to that decision? Um, well, I wouldn't say that they were the best uh, versions. Uh, there were the versions that, you know, worked very well all together in one true. program. You know, we, we yeah. thought, you know, it should be like a program of one evening or whatever. Yeah. And uh, as for instance, the songs like Pandora's Lullaby are missing. Good one. 
So you hug the globe. Now it's well and too fast. I've really got no hope to hang on to the past. The train has departed, but toxins have started to announce that none will last. Ah, cowering the gutter of the world that's not so near. And I listen to the mutters that are spinning through the air. The words unspoken, the promises broken, and the ones who really care. I'm the watcher of the scene. I see our shadows on the screen. And when the subway breaks to preserve some suicidal Stop the race for a while. Maybe it was me. This is the world flying by. Life's a trip with me. On a lifetime stream. The instant fundamental sky opened up. Yes. And, and that, that is, I, I mean, it's a tragedy that, they, but it was not possible to, and, and uh, Pandora would have been the perfect song for this. We we even have a recording, a recorded version of this with the orchestra. Mm -hmm. And it, but it's, I mean, we had to read, in the end, we had to choose. And uh, there were so many possibilities because the repertoire is so big. Yeah. Uh, that we had to just to avoid some of the songs and left let them out because uh, I mean we had only uh, yeah. a, a certain space you know on, on CDs or whatever you know we could yeah. not like three hours of of alphabet music and, and symphonic <laughs> would have been too much yeah even right. for sugar Mama. of course even for <laughs> even for sugar Mouse. so what's the plan with this I mean what is the to what is touring as Alphaville, what does it look like now? Are you going to be able to do this anywhere, recreate it? Are you going to go come back to the States ever, even Salt Lake City? What's the yeah, plan? Yeah, I, I really, I hope, I hope that we can do Oh, that, you should. Uh, they would, you'd sell out large venues still in Salt Lake it's City. Just, you know, um, the thing is that this, this tour that we're going to do next year from uh, April on is something completely, uh, completely new also for us because, uh, we never we never toured with an orchestra so uh, we want to bring this uh, show on stage and and there will be the Babelsberg film orchestra will be with us and we will perform nice. this on many great uh, symphonic uh, yeah. venues from next year on in uh, basically all in europe, germany and then probably all yeah. over U europe and then hopefully we come we managed to come to the United States. It's a logistic, it's basically a logistic problem, you know, yeah. because uh, traveling with a big orchestra is so much money. It's so amazing. So, um, I mean, I don't know, I don't know how it's going to be, but it will be, it will be a completely different way of performing on stage okay. because when you, when you perform with so many people, it, there is no improvisational moment in it. It right. just has to, it's just like a clockwork, yeah. you know, it's it's like a circus uh, circus performance or whatever. Every night has to be the same. Otherwise, yeah. you cannot control all these different these many aspects of it. You know, so yeah. you have to you have to thought uh, to to think out the 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 whole show 
from the beginning to the very end, you know, in each and every detail. And then you have to realize that that is something completely different from, you know, when we normally play as a rock unit, you know, yeah. when we play, we have this improvisational moment there. We never know what will happen at that night when we play here, you know, what, what we're going to do with the song yeah. and with the songs or whatever, what happens with the audience. And so this is, uh, yeah, this is, a that's will be very, very different, you know, from, yeah. from our experience so far. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking very much forward, but I'm also a little bit nervous. <laughs> I bet you are. <laughs> yeah. My dad, my dad was a conductor for symphonies. And so I grew up watching him going to several of his concerts and watching him pour over, you know, the sheet music and make his notes. And anyway, yeah. I I've saw all of that. I want to ask you about a couple of your collaborators because I've had them on this show. For instance, Rupert Hine, bless his heart, was on here a couple of times before he passed away. Yes, and yes, I love him. And I know that he worked. you worked with him on one of your solo albums. How did that happen? And what was it? Tell us a story about working with Rupert. Well, I know Rupert. I mean, he did a lot of great, as a producer, he did a lot of great and very, very um, um, uh, successful albums. But I, I don't want to talk about those albums. I, I'm talking about his own music. You know, he's uh, waving not drowning. Oh, good point. And yes. The, the, these, three, these three solo albums that he did, that really changed my life. I mean, when I was listening really? to it, I never heard music like that before. Yeah. And and I said, oh, one day, one day, I would I would really like to meet this guy. And if there is a possibility of working together, you know, then, uh, yeah, that would be great. You know, so that was, it was, it was actually his music and his his very personal uh, perspective on, on on music. You know, I think there is no music like like his comparable to what what he did in, I on this completely agree. yeah and um um this is really an absolutely unique thing so yeah I, and yeah. then for some reason you know i i met him in uh, in paris and uh, we were talking about it and they say yeah no problem uh, there was uh, he had some time you know to do this and um we uh yeah, we then started in the uh, Trente Plus in a very nice uh, Parisian uh, studio there. Yeah. And uh, actually, at the same time, when <laughs> that's very funny, that was the same time that, that Brian Ferry was at, in the same studio in another. Oh, another really? Yeah. And, <laughs> and guess which song he was recording when when we were there? A song called Alphaville. <laughs> really? <laughs> 
no way. Yes. <laughs> it was it's on this uh, I don't know uh, one of the, yeah. one of this uh, about 93 or so this, this uh -huh. the name of this album is you know there's a song on it called Alphabet. It's from the movie. You know, from the Ron Likuda movie. Yes. That yeah. inspired, exactly as our band name, you know. It's exactly. Also movie, you know? So, <laughs> so Brian, Brian came probably because it's, it's, a, it's a French uh, director who did this movie. Uh -huh. He came to Paris, you know, to record that song in, 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 in the Trompeuse. Wow. And we were at the same time. We were that there. is so funny. It was really strange. What a change. Yeah. Wow, French that's great. Um, so, yeah, I love yeah and then we did this album, and, and it was just an, a, a very good uh, experience uh, working with with Rupert on on this album. Good. And good. Uh, yeah. another one of your former producers, I believe, was Andy Richards, and uh, Andy, yeah, Andy's been on here too. I, I love him too. He's also put out a lot of great music. What was it like working with him? He is such a funny guy. He is a funny guy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, yeah. and I mean, you you underestimate him a little bit because he is so funny, you know. I mean, I never uh -huh. underestimated, but but there's a probably uh, the danger in terms because he's such a funny guy and he's always full of jokes and 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 funny lines and stuff. But he's a very very serious and uh, intense uh, uh, producer, and uh, uh, he has uh, lots of. I mean, he's a very spontaneous person. And he was also he, he's a great organizer. Yeah. Instance, we, we were we were in we were in the studio. The Metropolis in London, mm, mm. In, in, in Chiswick. And we were working there and we needed a percussion, percussionist for Monkey in the Moon. Once I was so sure, once I was so blind, I won't know what you said if you read my mind. Angel in a car. Scarecrows in the fields, Jesus on the rocks. He said, oh, this is other guy working just uh, in the other studio. Uh, I forgot his name. He's the producer of um, some other great pet. Okay. <laughs> and and he knew he knew this guy. And he said, yeah, he's not only a producer, he's also a great percussionist. So I go over and ask him. You know, he, he just went there to come back with him. And then we had him on our album playing, you know, drums, no or, uh, percussion on, on Monkey in the Moon. Oh, uh, wow. That's this producer who produced uh, uh, Tears for Fears. Uh, Chris Hughes, Chris Hughes, exactly. He's been so on he here had, too. Yeah, wow, I didn't know playing, that. <laughs> playing oh. percussion on Monkey in the Moon. <laughs> what? I didn't know that. Wow. He just went over to because Andy knows everybody. You know, sure. he's just sure. He's he's just a connector, and so so yeah, it was also wonderful to work with. No him. way. That the is album great. was absolutely fantastic. I mean, yes, uh, it was really good yep. album. Uh, actually, some people said that Salvation. 
should have been the second album that we should have done after, <laughs> after Forever Young. Too bad. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. I'm, I'm, I have of, not this opinion, but anyway. No, 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 no. Speaking of which, I think my favorite Alphaville album is Catching Rays on Giant, which I don't know what that means. What does that mean, Catching Rays on Giant? Catching Rays on Giant, uh, that, that's a funny story. You know, I was, I was, I was writing songs with, uh, with my... A uh, really beloved keyboarder, Martin Lisser, who unfortunately uh, passed away a couple of years yeah. ago. And um, uh, I, we were we were writing songs in his studio in 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 London, in Exeter Road, uh, where he, where he has his studio, Fountain Close, uh, Close Studio. Uh -huh. And I had to I had to whenever I used his little bathroom of the studio, there was this there was this poster hanging on the wall. It was a shot from uh, uh, from with uh, of Elizabeth Taylor on the set of Giant, oh. and and the, the the line under the poster said Elizabeth Taylor catching some rays on the cat on the on the set of Giant. Now of Giant. I get it. No and way. I, I, I st stood there while I was. Yep. <laughs> reading well, that, said, wow, this is such a great title. This is catching race on giant. This is absolutely oh. no. so. He said, yeah, this is, okay. We, we said, well, this is the bathroom, you know, of the production, anyway. So, <laughs> there's some connection. No so, yeah, we did that. Oh, that there's, makes so there's much no sense. More sense in it, but just like that. <laughs> that is great. It's just, a, just a poster name, you know. Yeah, it's, of course. Now I get it. Um, okay, I want to ask you about a couple of my favorite songs of yours more recent songs actually one of my favorite tracks on that particular album is the things i didn't do Is there a story about the creation of that song? Are you going through like a? It was. It was. It was. In, back in, 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 regret in, in, or in its original version. In its original version. It was uh, like um, a, just a simple love song of somebody who oh, okay. uh, you know, lost his, his true love. You know, and uh -huh. I found it quite. I found it quite boring. You know, the story. Oh. Uh, so so I changed it a little bit so that in the in the end, when you're going to the end of the song, you're you're not sure if he probably killed her. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and and I, I, I found it, I mean, in these days of gender discussion and anything, you cannot do those jokes anymore. <laughs> the song, thank God the song is here, you know. I, That's I wrote right. It and it's out, you know, so I can't take it back. I love I'm, it. I'm quite happy. It's just a big joke. The song okay. Is, And and I really we wanted to do it like really like a heavy T Rex kind of. Da, uh -huh. That's what I like about it. And, yeah, and with all these with all these lovely chorus lines in the big in the end and and and, uh -huh. you know, and then the, the last line you know I, I I stand next to your grave and put some, <laughs> some some flowers on your grave you know I've always wondered <laughs> I didn't know if it was a joke if it was real because the song rocks but it could be heavy anyway no, yes, I, ne I, I never killed my girlfriend okay that's good to know Marion. <laughs> <laughs> what a relief okay and then also <laughs> one of my other favorite songs re more recent songs of yours is off of strange attractor and it's rendezvous It's kind of a genius idea putting these things together. Do you have any stories about the creation of Rendezvous? Uh, Rendezvous is a. Uh, you um, didn't kill anyone for that one, did you? It, <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. It's, it's, it's like, I mean, I have about 20 different versions of these songs. Of this song. Uh, some version is like, there's a version that lasts over almost 20 minutes. Yeah, and then we have this version, and wow. there's still another version that I plan to put on on our next studio album, uh, Thunder Baby, which hopefully will be out on 24. You have another studio album coming out soon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're working working at the moment on, on wow. the next one. But I mean, we probably finish the album uh, by the mid mid or by the beginning of next year. But we we, can, we will not release it before two uh, 2024. Because we we still in the middle of promotion uh, of the of the symphonic album Eternally Yours and the, the 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 tour and everything will go through through the whole year so it doesn't make sense you know to come up with another album yeah. but uh, so we yeah there will be another Rendezvous but which is completely different um, from 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 the version you know uh -huh. on 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 this album probably so yeah is, okay yeah I, I don't wow. know I mean it's, uh, quite. Uh, um it's okay. a strange a really strange little ditty <laughs> i like it a lot um okay i know we're coming up on time is I, it rendezvous on strange attractor i mean yeah, I, <laughs> on, uh, yeah. You, <laughs> you're confused by this yeah no, I, um, I, I, if i look at strange attractor <laughs> right here i'm looking right at it on spotify it's track uh, ah I, yeah yeah you're right yeah yeah no uh, yeah that yeah. version okay you, you're talking yeah. about that all right yeah cool okay yeah mm -hmm. it's track nine on that mm -hmm. i'm looking at um Okay, 
final questions. I, I always find it interesting to hear why the logic behind why people choose to cover the songs that they do. You have some great covers, one of which I'm thinking is like Five Years by Bowie. I'm guessing Bowie meant a lot to you. He's my number one favorite artist of all time, too. Um, what was going into what? Take that one, in, for instance. When you go into uh, attacking five years, do you think I'm doing this because I love this song? I'm doing it because I think I can put a unique spin on it. I think I can improve it. I want to honor, honor him. What's the thinking there? Definitely not improving. Okay, I thought so, but I threw it out there. Got it. Because, uh, I mean, who am I, you know, to uh, try and improve a song that is written by David Bowie? Uh, uh -huh. And I mean, this, I mean, this is, I think this is a complete wrong attitude, you know. If you yeah. cover, uh, for me, if I yeah. cover a song by, by an artist, uh, it is because I love the song and I respect the artist, you know, so it's, it's, it's not that, that I want to be better or whatever. I just, it is actually, in a way, a love letter to the, to the original artist, to the composer. Yeah. So sense. my greatest hope was when I, because Five Years was the first song that I ever heard from, from David Bowie. It was, I remember. Because track one on Ziggy Stardust, right? So you probably yeah, bought that album and. Yeah. I was 70, 70 years old. It was after after the summer uh, summer holidays. You know, I came back to uh, to the public school where I uh, was kind of internat, uh -huh. and um, there was this girl. She was actually she was the daughter of the uh, Persian, or at that time Persian, now Iranian ambassador mm. uh, in, in in Germany, and she brought this album from Iran. Oh, from, <laughs> from Iran? Back to the, no to the way. Back to the uh, it was a private, so kind of private school where we all yeah. the diplomats and all kind of children of all kinds of uh, parents with strange uh, professions. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and she gave me the album. Said, "Listen, uh, Marian, listen to the album. This is I, I'm pretty sure you you're gonna like this album." Uh -huh. And I put put the needle on, and the first song was that came up was Five Years, and it was just from the very first. Doom, doom. Uh -huh. From the very first sound that was just a bass drum yeah. that comes in, I was just totally yeah. attracted. I was yes. just, I, mean, I was just blown away. And then the the guitar sets in, and then in this in this drum fill sets this gigantic chord of of the piano, bang. Uh -huh. And one second later, 
this voice from another planet pushing through the market square. Yeah. My God, I was just, <laughs> I, I couldn't believe, I, the only thing that I knew was whatever happens on this island, I'm, what I do not know, and listen now for the first time, uh -huh. whatever happens from, from here up to the end, everything will be fantastic. And yes. at this very moment, my whole life will be changed. You know, I knew that. This is one of these, I mean, you know these this moments, do, do you? I'm not a musician, but my life was changed by David Bowie in the exact same way. Yeah, yep. I mean, this is just sometimes you put a record on you never heard before, and and you, you just can feel from the very first moment you think, wow, what is this? This yeah. is just amazing. Yeah. And it was exactly like that. So when I was thinking about... Um, Doing a cover version, and that was just the 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 the, the natural choice. Sure. You know? so, um, and yeah, and okay. I, I I did my best. You did, did you did, best. and I love that story because Bowie means the same to me. And so, I, <laughs> in fact, I'm all goosebumpy because I can feel everything you're saying about this. Um, okay, last thing. What I think may get lost unless you are an avid collector of multimedia which i am not but some of my listeners are um is that alphaville has sort of been a trendsetter in terms of things like large box sets or like breathtaking blue was this sort of cd that if you played it in a computer there would be images and videos going on which is commonplace or was but not 1989 that kind of technology was not at the forefront back then there's the Whiskey A Go-Go live show, which comes in a, in a box that looks like the Whiskey A Go-Go. Who <laughs> goes in? Are you the mastermind behind a lot of these really unique not, packaging? Not always, actually. Okay. But I work I work together with uh, very creative people. And uh -huh. uh, I mean, I, I consider myself as a creative person, but not all the ideas come from myself. I mean, there, we have so many people that we're working together to help us or support yeah. us. So uh, it is, uh, yeah. It is. Okay. I mean, we, in in a way, we are we are not only a band. It's this kind of Alphaville community, you know, Good which point. consists out of many more people around, you know, and yeah. uh, around us. And uh, so, uh, yeah, that we take great uh, um, positive uh, powers. I got it from that. You know, that okay. is. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I was curious. It's like a big community in a way. Some of that stuff was just so ahead of its time, and it's so unique, and not everyone does that. Now a lot of people do that, but they, they it's kind of after the fact, and you were doing it very early on. I should have asked this a second ago. Did you ever meet Bowie? I saw him. You saw him? I, I, I saw him on a couple of tours. You know that okay. uh, The last uh -huh. time I saw him, it's a long, long time ago. There was a serious midnight, mm. serious midnight tour. That was, I think, in 86. 80. Something like that, eight, three, four. Okay. And yeah. um, uh, I mean, at the actually at the time when um, when he was when he lived in Berlin, I was also living in Berlin at that time as a kind of oh. punk, you know, lifting uh -huh. squatters and stuff like that. And somebody told me that a uh, boy was in town and uh, that he um, frequented uh, a certain club, the SO thirty six in 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 Kreuzberg. So I went. Many, 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 many times uh, um, to, the, to the club, hoping to, to see him, yeah. just to see a glimpse of him. You know, I never met him there, actually. Oh. So I only saw him on, on stage. That's a shame. Could you imagine if you, like, bumped into Bowie and Iggy Pop at the grocery store or something like that, you know? Actually, my actually my uh, 
a colleague of mine, uh, uh, git uh, the guitar player with whom I um, uh, record lots of guitars for the Strange Attractor, uh, uh -huh. uh, um, Andreas Ruszynski, he 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 also lived at that time there, and he met Bowie, and he was actually also planned in for uh, as as a as a guitar player for yeah. Bowie's live band. Oh. Uh, but then it turned out that he was only 15, and then Bowie oh. because he was too young, <laughs> and. They, they 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 went out uh, quite a lot of times in 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 West Berlin, and he knew also uh, Iggy Pop very well. Yeah, of course. And there yeah. was one moment, uh, one one occasion when Iggy, I mean, he was like he was he's a really crazy guy. Yes, he so is. He slit <laughs> his he slit his he slit his uh, wrist with with uh -huh. with a uh, with a glass. Uh huh. And, and it was Andreas who who kind of saved his life, you know. Really. Brought him, brought him to the Man. to the hospital, you know, because he was. Wow! Oh, I and love these yeah, rock so, and roll stories. Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> that's great. That's great. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm Mary, very look, jealous of him. <laughs> I know, me too. Right? Would you love to save Biggie Pop's life? Um, anyway, well, uh, I'm grateful for everything you do, Marion. Thank you for all the good stuff you put out in the world the last forty something years. Yeah, Thanks. it means a lot to a lot of us. And uh, thanks for chatting with me. All right, there you have it, Marion Gold. I don't know why, but Big in Japan never came up in the conversation, which is probably their, I don't know, second biggest or well-known song in the States. So we got to close it out with Big in Japan. These guys were huge. Like when I was in junior high and high school, all the like kind of hot indie girls and the uh, anyone who knew what was really going on kind of in the underground listened to Alphaville. And so it was really fun to talk to Marion on here. And I hope you check out... Now, here's the deal I was going to tell you. Um, his people are supposed to send me some copies of Eternally Yours to give away to Patreon supporters. I haven't received them yet, but I should be receiving them soon, assuming they follow through. If and when they do, of course, I'll be giving them away to Patreon members. So if you have not already and would like a copy of the CD, go in there and sign up for Patreon. It's $2 a month. And you just set it and forget it and you get any of the, you get, you potentially could win any swag we ever get. Obviously, if you want to do the tier two part, it's $5 a month. And that way I let you know who's coming on the show and you can submit questions and stuff like that. Now, next week's guest is a big one. Next week, we are talking to a member of one of the biggest bands of the 90s. It didn't last very long, but it was for a while there, they were... One of the biggest bands, and they're still huge. They just aren't like globally dominating like they were in the 90s. They were one of the biggest bands of the 90s, and he's a, a member of that band is going to be our guest next week. Huge thanks, as always, to Yan the Man Makevich, my right-hand man, for doing all of this with me. Thank you, buddy. Guys, you can like our page. You can send us a message on there. You can send us an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter at thehustlepod. All right. Thanks. Every oh, and I think we we probably will have our year in review recap coming out this weekend. All right. Thanks, folks. We love you.